Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Dr. Nisha Winters. She is the founder, CEO, and visionary of Optimal Terrain Consulting. She has been working in the healthcare industry for over 25 years and is a nationally board-certified naturopathic doctor, licensed acupuncturist, and a fellow of the American Board of Naturopathic Oncology. Today, we're discussing her book, The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. Dr. Nisha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is an honor. Um, so I'm just wondering, how did you get involved in, in treating and writing about cancer? It's, it's funny. I actually sort of swore off ever working with cancer. I, I promised myself that I would never work with it after I had my own experience that took me off um, you know, onto a different path, a trajectory. I had my own um, terminal diagnosis of cancer when I was 19 years old. And um, it took me off the track of going into conventional medicine and, and put me completely square into the role of naturopathic and integrative um, vitalistic medicine. Um, so I'm incredibly grateful for that. But I did. I swore that I would not work with cancer patients when I came out of that. And lo and behold, my very first week of private practice, a gentleman came to see me for pain management, rolled in in a wheelchair. His wife pushed him in. And I thought I was going to be doing some basic acupuncture which of course I did, but it ended up being that he was suffering from a glioblastoma multiforma, the most aggressive um, and deadly cancer out there. And um, at that time, he was within literally days to weeks of dying. His ventricles had completely closed off, and um, we ended up working together, and he lived another 18 months um, with incredible quality of life and out of his wheelchair and out of his diapers and into life, um, and um, it was quite an honor. And so he sort of uh, showed me that um, cancer was, in fact, in the grand plan for me to be working with. Well, you know, it's interesting it wasn't your own story that did that, <laughs> which is <laughs> what it is like for most of us. My to throw me out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I think anybody, we've all dealt with cancer. I mean, you have the statistics in your in your book, which I, I can't remember, but they're pretty high. And, and everybody has either dealt with it themselves or knows someone that has. And so when we're talking about cancer, the fears are, um, I'm going to die and the last, you know, year six months or whatever of my life is going to be terrible because of the treatment and so I mean this story you just told this gentleman lived another 18 months but he wasn't in the wheelchair anymore he was you know it changed for him yeah which I you know was pretty encouraging and and um now did he was he going through the conventional treatment or did he change and do some things with you well, when he saw me, he had actually not taken any conventional treatments because he saw the statistics and he saw that even with treatment with a glioblastoma, his likelihood of being alive within a year was non-existent. Um, likely the most, the statistics show three to nine months are typical, especially his was pretty advanced. So he opted out thinking that he just wanted to go on his own terms and within a few weeks of his 
diagnosis, his symptoms really progressed. And by the time he came to see me, his quality of life was quite miserable. Um, and so there were, you know, he was being followed by um, CT scans because his ventricles had closed. And that's considered a medical anomaly that he could actually be alive with the, with his, the ventricles of his brain closed, which are the areas that pump his cerebral spinal fluid. Um, and so that's why he was literally a matter of days and just was wanting some palliative support gene management because the narcotics weren't working. So when he came to me, we started focusing on that and we were able to get him ironically onto, I mean, amazingly, this is back in, gosh, 2001. Um, we got him onto a ketogenic diet um, and homeopathy and acupuncture and his um, ventricles opened up again. His pain went away. The swelling of his brain went down. His um, appetite came back. And again, like I said, his quality of life was completely restored. And he um, lived, we were able to really slow the progression, reverse some of it. Um, and at that time, it was just like a day by day. We didn't expect that type of result. Neither of us did. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, there were no other treatments at that point. There were no other options back in 2001 um, that we even have today in conventional terms, and they still weren't offering him much hope from the Western approach. So um, he still outlived his uh, expiration date and with a quality of life. um, And even for today's standards, that was a pretty good survival with glioblastoma. Yeah, I don't think it's changed much in that time. No, sadly, no. No. Although we're making some headway, thanks to the conversations <laughs> we're having today. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and I, I think the Internet and uh, awareness in the world has changed things, too, because we have oh, yeah. more control over our options and our own health. So you were, were diagnosed people with... like you. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, you, were, you were diagnosed with terminal cancer at age 19, you said? Yeah. 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 And so did you go um, the conventional approach or, or is that why you changed um, what you wanted to do and become a naturopath? A little bit of both. I mean, again, I was sort of like this gentleman that I was not given any other options but palliative care and was expected only a few months because it was so far progressed. It was a shock for the, I mean, I don't blame the doctors. They, I was so young that it was missed you know, a lot. I'd had a lot of symptoms, a lot of health issues for a very long time, and they were all obscured. And by the time it was big enough, you know, like by the time the building was engulfed in flames, um, it was frankly too late. And at that point, they could really only offer palliative care. And even that, they thought it was too weak to even tolerate and um, and referred me on to hospice. So um, I didn't really, wasn't really given any other options, but to start on my own um, research and adventure. And I ended up picking up the book um, uh, quantum healing. This shows you how long ago this was. This is in '91 mm-hmm. um, by Deepak Chopra, which was very new, innovative information at that time. And I changed my pre-med major of biology and chemistry to biology and psychology as I dove into what was a new field at that time, psychoneuroimmunology, as my self-constructed major. I really understood, even at such a young age, with that terminal diagnosis, that the majority of my cancering process was thanks to. A, a pretty significant trauma history. I, I'm sure you're familiar, your listeners are familiar with ACE scores, so the adverse childhood events. And looking at those scores today, it, it's it's a miracle I didn't have, you know, even more problems. I mean, honestly, because out of the 10, I, I was exposed to all 10 of those prior to my 18th birthday. And the more you have, 
the higher your percentage of having cancer in your adulthood. So it, it was not really a surprise now that I can look back, but it certainly was at that time. Doctors weren't seeing 19-year-olds with stage 4 cancer. Um, that, unfortunately, has changed. I see a lot of that today in my practice, which is unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, that's where we are today. I, I took a different route, and for years I didn't even tell my patients. In fact, I've only let people know in the last couple of years that I did not take a conventional approach. I did a lot of screening, scanning, lab testing, but I did not use any of the conventional typical therapies of surgery, radiation, chemotherapy. And of course, even at that time, there were no such things as targeted therapies or hormone blockade therapies. So, um, you know, I, I used other tools in my toolbox. So, um, it, and we're going to talk about that more later, yeah. and, and it is all in your book as well. But what I'm curious about is you're saying, um, you know, now we're seeing more 19-year-olds diagnosed with cancer. And are yeah. we understanding what's causing cancer and why it's becoming more prevalent? That's a great question. You know, I, we were we were starting to go down that path of understanding this back in the early, um, like, 1920s under Otto Warburg's hypothesis about this being more of a metabolic process versus a genetic process. But about the same time his theory started to really take root and start to be studied, that's when kind of the Watson-Crick, you know, DNA um, era came to be. And we really turned our entire focus onto looking for a single cause, single cure, a genetic disorder. I mean, my gosh, we're still even getting studies out in the last two years saying that cancer is simply bad luck. Um, it isn't. Um, I, don't, I, I think that actually two studies that people are saying that from were actually misquoted. I don't even think the authors of those um, studies meant for it to be taken that literally. Um, but in essence, we put our attention more into the tumor and the tumor um, cell over the last 70 plus years, whereas the real issue is around our mitochondrial function, the metabolic respira respiration within the mitochondria, and really the problem starts there. And since basically the Industrial Revolution, um, especially since World War II, we have introduced a lot of stressors to our mitochondria into the world around us. And living on the planet today, it's impossible to um, avoid it. And so we are starting to crumble under the pressure of all of those toxicants to our mitochondrial function. And that is the precursor to the damaged DNA that leads to genetic mutations that leads to cancer, but also to other chronic illnesses. Well, I mean, I definitely agree with you on all of that. I mean, I mean this comes up in every show, and it doesn't matter yeah. what our topic is. Um, mm -hmm. We're basically True. talking about um, what we're going to talk about today. So, um, and it, you know, I was saying um, before the show started to my colleague, as, as, I mean, it's great that we have this underground movement of people being coming mm -hmm. more aware, but it's just, it's not mainstream yet. Your doctor won't talk about it. You know, you have to find your way to this information when we all know the causes that it's pro it's causing, the problems it's causing. Right, yeah. right. And that's, you know, you said that early on in the show that I think that the change now is that we are, you know, thanks to social media, thanks to the internet, it's, you know, Dr. Google yeah. has its concerns, <laughs> right? Like I can, yes. we can, we can get does. upset about that because, you know, like, you know, at the time of my diagnosis, there was no Dr. Google, right? There wasn't this. So I was really living by the, the power of the Dewey Decimal System in my own very paper trail research at that time. We've come a long way, so we are able to access this information, but there's such a 
forest of misinformation or half-truths out there on both sides of the equation, that it really overwhelms people to find out really the truth, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. So yeah. when, when we're talking about cancer, and we mentioned the traditional cancer treatments, um, what do you feel, if you feel comfortable talking about it, that, that does for people? Yeah, w- w- as far as um, what chemo the chemo and radiation. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, I mean, the studies are very clear. This isn't a naturopathic oncologist perspective. Overall tumor types in all patients of all ages and demographics and socioeconomics, et cetera, that re, uh, chemo alone accounts for about a 3% success rate. Okay. Now, that's an average of all tumor types, correct? Um, and tumor staging, et cetera. When we add um, radiation to the equation, so a combination of radiation and chemotherapy, we can see that statistic response, if you will, go up to about 12%, okay? That's not overwhelming. You know, it's a bit underwhelming, in fact. Now, there are a growing number of researchers out there in the conventional cancer research field that are starting to understand that the real benefit of treatments such as chemo and radiation may actually be the accidentally forced intermittent fasting <laughs> that goes <laughs> along with this because people feel so crummy, they're not able to eat or hold food down or mm-hmm. very much calorically restrict, which actually becomes an accidental metabolic treatment for their cancer. Um, and so when you then can understand what we're understanding today to couple metabolic therapies such as intermittent fasting, ketogenic diet, um, caloric restriction with cytotoxic therapies like chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery debulking, you can actually see some really powerful enhancement of therapy and reduction of side effects and progression-free survival, et cetera. And so to me, to keep with exclusively the standard of care of conventional treatment by itself without even considering these other options, I think is grossly negligent and even malpractice. Well, um, that 12% is not a lot. I mean, I'm surprised (laughs) that we still do it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot yeah. with the, the advent, you know, the, all the studies happening now on immunomodulating therapies and targeted therapies, even at, you know, ASCO, which is really like the Super Bowl gathering of oncologists, um, and NCCN, which is like our guide, a guideline board for conventional oncology, even those organizations think that chemotherapy may be of the past within the next decade as we move more into targeted therapies and um, immunotherapies. Um, so, you know, even we're even starting to realize, I mean, it's been realized for some time that that maybe falls far short of our hopes and expectations. But the reason, the only reason it's potentially leaving the building is because there's even more expensive um, therapies coming on the market. I mean, that sounds really conspiracy theorist and a bit crappy, but I have got colleagues who are researchers in the field of oncology. My husband was a cancer drug designer. He was one of the first researchers on the KRAS protein. You know, this is this is what we do for fun at around our dinner table is talk about these things. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, we are both, like I said, scientists and into this, but we also know that even these new targeted therapies coming down the pipeline are limited because we're still taking that 
that funnel view of the tumor, the tumor cell, the target, that individual target. And there's no such thing as that. We're barking up the wrong tree. We have to go after the overall terrain and the health and vitality and number of the mitochondria. Because if those guys are humming along, then um, all therapies work better, but also you prevent all of these chronic illnesses. Well, um, we're going to talk about that more when we get back. We're going to take a break. We're talking today with Dr. Nisha Winters, and she is the author of The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. We'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Did you know that nearly a third of Americans have made us the number one country in obesity rates in the world? It's true. It's time for Right Choices. Tune in every week for the show that aims to make you healthier. You don't need a lot of time, money, or even need to travel far. Host Dietrich Wright will show you what you can do easily to be more fit, healthier, have more energy, and live a better life overall. Be sure to make us a part of your weekend every Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking today with Dr. Nisha Winters. She is the author of The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. So, Dr. Nisha, when somebody comes into your office with cancer, what do you do? How do you assess them? That's a great question as well. You're, you're on. You're on to something here. <laughs> um, I, I really am a collector of information. I am a data fiend. 
So I want as much information about that person's personal history, medical history, family history, just even their chronology of life experiences, traumas, even debunked relationships and injuries and hospitalizations. Um, I definitely want information about their pantry. I want to know what they eat. I take a, a collect a diet diary, at least a three-day detailed diet diary, and then I collect a lot of data points through the labs, through basic blood tests. Um, in general, I require a basic CDC with differential, which is your blood count and looking at immune function. I look at the metabolic panel, which includes organ function, um, which also shows me some metabolic processes. I always look at it, what my patients have coined as the trifecta, which is a combination of the C-reactive protein, the lactase dehydrogenase enzyme, and the sedimentation rate. Um, those three together tell me a lot about whether or not the body has been hijacked by cancer or is still in the driver's seat themselves. Um, and then any specialty tests that are very specific and individualized to that person, their pattern, their symptoms, their current treatment, their current status of health. So when I collect all that information, I take a bird's eye view. I go through and I basically do an assessment. I do my terrain 10 assessment, and then I break it down to show them which of those terrain 10s are out of balance, what specifically is out of balance, what research backs up that imbalance, and then help them find a strategy and a priority, basically a roadmap of how to find the best therapies, um, even practitioners, even uh, therapeutic diets, supplements, nutrients, herbs, you name it, even integrated therapies, even targeted trials and other targeted therapies on what is the most appropriate for them at that given moment. And so they walk away with about a 50 to 75 page roadmap um, of themselves to be able to take to their primary team and start to implement these findings. And um, it's, well, it's life-changing. I mean, people who would otherwise um, be sent out to pasture are finding longer and longer survival in, or complete remission or maintenance of the disease process. And that's what gets me excited to keep investing that much time and energy and resource and research into each and every person I work with. So what's the Terrain 10 you mentioned? So the Terrain 10 is just kind of a collection of patterns that I have seen over and over and over after 25 years in the field, as well as tens of thousands of patients, you know, and having their reference points. And so I've kind of found 10 basic patterns that seem to um, drive the cancering process, or frankly, any disease process, any chronic illness. And so I like to use an analogy that's very visual. So I'll, I'll kind of explain it that way. So I, I imagine a big tree, okay? And the soil in which that tree is growing out of is the microbiome. And that's those little critters that inhabit our, you know, tube from the mouth to the anus. Um, we're just a body with a or tube with a body wrapped around it. And we've learned um, uh, the importance of how that little microbiome, all those little bacteria are even more influential on how we think, feel, and respond in life in general than we've ever known. Now, naturopaths, Ayurvedic practitioners, TCM practitioners, we've been focusing on the gut forever, but the conventional wisdom and research is catching up with us. And then I think of the, the, the canopy of that tree is the epigenome, the epigenetics. And those are the little, um, those are the little things that are passed down to us from generations before us. Um, so we get copies from both our mother and our father. And our diet and our lifestyle are what make these epigenetic changes or hiccups, if you will, 
manifest or not. So we can actually silence those genes with choices we make in our diet, our lifestyle, our toxicant exposures, our thoughts, you know, just to name a few. Um, and then we have the trunk of that tree that connects that rich soil of the microbiome to the epigenetic canopy, and that is our thought process. That is our emotional body. And as I alluded to before the break, I talked about like the adverse childhood events score that that you can find that online and take that questionnaire for yourself but we're even finding that childhood traumas can increase your risk of cancer and chronic illness significantly we've really underplayed the role of the mind body in this and it's really a critical piece and then off of that trunk are the seven branches that include things like um, our blood sugar balance, so our metabolism specifically related to our, our fuel intake, to our toxicant exposures and what we're putting in, on, and around our bodies, and even things we don't see that we're being exposed to every day. Um, our, um, in, our inflammatory process, how our body responds with inflammation. Is it over-responsive? Is it under-responsive? Is it constantly on? Um, our immune function, again, is it overactive or underactive or kind of on hiatus, our hormone balance, um, so our sex hormones, our thyroid hormones, adrenal hormones, you know, all of those, even our endocrine hormones of our bone. Our bone is an endocrine organ, so is our adipose tissue and our white blood cells. And then even our circadian rhythms, our night and day cycles, all the things around nature and cycles of our menstrual cycles to the cycles of the season to the night and day and how we're being constantly exposed to things that disrupt our natural rhythm, our natural cycles. And then our blood circulation itself, angiogenesis, um, our the thick, sticky blood or the smooth flowing blood. We want to make sure those are, are all good. I, I think I've covered all of those other seven amongst the tree, but that's the way I see it. And if any one of those limbs or that trunk or that soil or that canopy are in distress or damaged or not working right, then all of them suffer. All of them are impacted. I mean, if you cut on a branch of a tree, you can wound the whole tree. And that's what happens with us as well. So, um, I, you know, I love that because that, that's basically what we all need to look at anyway to have a balanced yeah. life, right? It's, yeah, totally. it's not just one thing. You can't just focus on a diet and expect all yeah. the rest to follow, but you still have to focus right. on diet. It's still important. Yeah, so, yeah so exactly. It's, and it, it, you know, it's not a straight line either, which is the nice <laughs> thing about the tree analogy, <laughs> right? Because yeah. we're, we're, we're working on many things at once and picking priorities according to who we are which is different than the next person correct yeah so um let, we'll just go back to to the beginning um you mm -hmm. mentioned the microbiome first so can you just yeah. talk about that a little bit yeah so you know again in vitalistic you know medicines old medicines um, i know you practice chinese medicine as well we've really looked at the you know the gut has meant a lot to us we know you know, we always kind of had the idea that the gut was the center of things. Even Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, said that, you know, that the disease starts in the gut. But we didn't quite understand what that actually meant. And now that we have the research behind it, we're finding examples of, for instance, you know, 70 to 80 percent of our entire immune system 
is based on what's happening with our microbiome, with these little critters, these little organisms that live and inhabit our GI tract that are interfacing with what we put into our body and what gets disseminated out as information into the rest of the cells and tissues of the body and then gets discarded or eliminated when we've used up what we needed to use up. And so if that is off kilter, which it is in most of us today, thanks to everything from drinking chlorinated water to handling receipts to glyphosate exposure, so anything you know that you eat that's been exposed to glyphosate on basically most of our food um, in the world today, unfortunately, to um, medications you know, from especially things like antibiotics, but even simple things like birth control pills or um, anxiety medications or antidepressants alter that microbiome. So in, in essence, we're altering our immune function and we're also altering our spots because we also have serotonin is mostly made by the microorganisms and in the GI tract as well. About 80% of our serotonin stores are there. My husband is the biochemist always says, there's only two things that can make you happy. Serotonin and dopamine. <laughs> okay, and so you know, I, I laugh because that's getting very literal. And, you know, what happens in my household, but but ultimately, what we feed our body is what feeds those critical neurotransmitters. And then the interplay with our um, brain, so there's the gut-brain connection. They actually call our gut the second brain or the enteric system. So our thoughts, our mood impact our gut. You know, and a lot of people out there have IBS or digestive issues. And often it's more about, you know, maybe a need for a husbandectomy versus a, a probiotic. You know, like it could be a stressor that's causing issue with the gut versus a lack of a probiotic or a certain food irritant or a food allergy. So we're learning the importance of this more and more every single day. In fact, we're now even learning that the microbiome itself has a direct impact on things like um, the epigenetic expression of things on the inflammasome, which is like a kind of a whole system based on inflammatory processes or the endocannabidome, which is our endocannabinoid system, our innate, um, you know, kind of natural innate high system. And so any of those things being on or off are, are implicated um, back to the microbiome function and balance or lack thereof. So, um, you've mentioned epigenetic expression a little bit, and um, can yeah. you um, explain that for us? Sure. In, in simplest terms, the epigenetics, it's like it's the cards you were dealt in this lifetime, that those don't change. You know, there's always going to be that same set of cards, um, but you can play your hand differently each time. So you can come up with innumerable ways of playing out that game. And so that's our epigenetic expression. So epi means above gene, you know, the, gen- the genes, the genetics. And these, we're able to track at least four generations upstream. So for instance, if you had a grandparent or a great-grandparent, depending on your age today, um, who was um, in a concentration camp, your genetic expression is dependent on the trauma they experienced through that. And it can change and increase your risk of certain diseases. So, for instance, since World War II, we've seen a 47% increase in the BRCA gene expression. And there's a growing level of evidence that that may have been, because BRCA has been very associated with the Ashkenazi Jewish population, that a lot of that epigenetic expression or that waking up of that broken methylation DNA repair gene um, may have come directly out of the trauma induced by 
you know, World War, all that led to World War II and the concentration camps and the Holocaust. And so it's incredible that we can now really look back generationally and see the implication of an enhancing disease process in subsequent generations. Now, the flip side to that is just as you can damage downstream, you can also then clean up. Like, the buck can stop here. You know, any person who has this, it's not like you're doomed. You can change that the way you play those cards. And then you can change your own expression, but also your subsequent generations downstream. So your children and their children and their children. And there's a whole concept of Pottinger's cats. If your readers want to go and explore that, it's the concept of this doctor who took a a group of cats, this is, of course, back in the late 1800s, well before FDA and ethics committees and whatnot existed. But he basically <laughs> tortured these poor cats and, mm. and changed their diet and changed their lifestyle that within four generations they were extinct or almost extinct. And so that was the origins of an understanding of Pottinger's, you know, of epigenetics today, of what we know. But he was also then able to change them back to their original balanced lifestyle, circadian rhythms, their right diet, their right environment. And within four generations back upstream, all those disease processes were out of the building again. And so that's the beauty. It's a two-way arrow here. It is not a static process. It's a dynamic process. And each and every time we ingest a meal, each and every time we have a thought, each and every time we engage with something or someone in and around our environment, we are impacting our epigenome, the expression of those genes. And so it's quite powerful. And books like Pottinger's Prophecy will give you that kind of scientific background of epigenetics that's very layperson friendly, but also work like Bruce Lipton's work, um, Biology of Belief, will go into the epigenetic changes simply done by our thoughts. You know, I, I love the, the way you're talking about this. Um, because I, I try to explain this to people, and a, a lot of people think that, you know, we're stuck with our genetics. Well, yeah. you know, my dad had heart disease, so I'm going to get it, and that's just my right. lot in life. And, you know, when you right. sit there and try to explain, well, yeah, but we know it's preventable, so we can do this and this and this, so we can change your outcome. And yeah. a lot of time it's... Um, you know, kind of a, a blank stare. Well, what do you, what do you mean? I can change that because we're yeah. so stuck and this is just the way it is instead of why don't we figure out how we can change the way it is. Right. And I always tell working with cancer, there's always a lot of bad news in my, in my realm, it seems. And I tell people, I'm not going to tell them the bad news unless I also have some good news to share. I mean, being without hope, being without, um, um, uh, you know, like, a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? With Being without purpose is one of the fastest killers out there, mm -hmm. you know, and yes. that's across the board in any condition, any situation. And so when I, the things I've learned in the past 25 years in my own journey and that with tens of thousands of other patients is that our thoughts are that powerful to absolutely change otherwise dire consequences, dire circumstances. And so it's never too late, you know, and, and even, and when I say that, that doesn't necessarily mean that person lives forever because none of us are going to have that experience, but it certainly shows that I've experienced a lot of very, for lack of a better word and for kind of a cliche here, a lot of good deaths where people have absolutely woken up, you know, gotten it, changed, healed on so many other levels, completely came to peace and were like, I'm ready. 
You know, they, they were able to do so much cleanup of the terrain and of their psyche and their um, any regret and any back history and traumas that they were absolutely ready to launch, you know, into the next realm. And so even that is a powerful opportunity for people that don't feel like even, you know, that they have access to that. And that first client was an exact example of that. You know, he went for a drive up in the mountains that morning with his family and that night they all curled up in bed with him and he took his last breath. I mean, that was a big deal to go on his terms in the arms of his loved ones completely at peace and ready. I mean, my gosh, that's quote-unquote the worst-case scenario, right? The best case is that we're given a lot more time and at least the stability and quality of life. And in some situations, an absolute, I never use the word cure because there's no such thing. Because we all have cancer cells all the time. So it becomes a very um, uh, manageable disease state. And it becomes a very balanced. And you can live in absolute synergy and harmony with it and live a very long, vital, healthy life and die of something completely unrelated to that original cancer diagnosis. Um, you know, I, 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 I like that as well. Because, you know, the big thing that a lot of people are afraid of is, you know, you're going to do chemo and radiation. And then the last bit of your life is going to be suffering from those because it's not an easy journey. And right, what right. you're... You know, what you're doing is um, making it more, more, it ma- the quality of life is better and the clarity oh, yeah. of life is better, which I think if, you know, as you said, we're not all not going to live forever, although there's been some theories spoken about on this show, yeah, <laughs> that's a different, different show, <laughs> just theories, um, but but we're not going to live forever, but I think what we all want is to to live nicely and comfortably. Yeah. So we can enjoy Agreed. enjoy it. Um, we're going to yeah. take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Nisha Winters. She is the author of The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. We'll be back shortly. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. your health where you think it should be if you're like most people the answer is probably not where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track the answers start on occupy health each week host dr susan downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider you'll want to plan for your optimal health with occupy health listen fridays at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on voice america health and wellness 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Nisha Winters. She's the author of The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. So when we're talking about cancer, and and, um, I think what most people are worried about is actually getting it, not what to do after they get it. I mean, we all know our chances are high because we've all seen the statistics and we've all had a family member that's had it. I don't think there's anybody who can say they haven't. So what what can we do to prepare ourselves, protect ourselves so that we don't get it? Well, I think a couple of things is one of the misnomers is a lot of clients will come to me and say, well, geez, I was healthy um, until I got cancer. I don't understand how this could have happened. And so everyone kind of has this sort of shock and awe experience with their diagnosis. And I'm here to tell you after looking at tens of thousands of labs of these newly diagnosed people, there's no way that they were healthy. They just didn't know it. They didn't understand. They didn't know how to look for it. They didn't know how to it. That's why um, Jess and I wrote this book, is to give people the opportunity to dig and to understand and to explore. And so one of the strategies is to start with the Terrain 10 questionnaire, which offers 10 different questions specific to each of those 10 terrain issues we talked about earlier, because a lot of people are shocked to see how much they are actually doing or being exposed to or eating or have had experiences with on a daily basis or a weekly or a monthly or an annual basis that is absolutely upping their risk of contracting this disease or having a poor prognosis with the disease or having a recurrence of the disease, right? And so I would want people to go and explore and assess their terrain wholeheartedly first. And when that happens, you can see your priorities and you can start there, you know. So after that questionnaire, maybe you dive in, let's say your biggest issue is blood sugar-ish imbalances and you're a carbohydrate addict. So that's where you're going to put your focus. Like I said, anywhere you, um, just like when you wound the tree, you affect it all. But when you start to heal that part of the tree that was wounded, you also affect it all. So even if you start to focus on any one of those terrain 10, you're going to have an impact on all. So you don't have to hit it (laughs) all at once, right? Some people want to, some people do, some people's natures are to do that. So the simplest place of what we're finding today is we are completely metabolically inflexible thanks to the influx of sugar that has just become ubiquitous in our world today. All my clients think they don't eat sugar until I have them do an app like MyFitnessPal or really assess their macros and realize that they're on average day eating about 500 grams of carbohydrate a day. And even the god-awful registered dietitian recommendations, which is not therapeutic, um, states that we should not be eating over 100 grams a day. And even that's frankly too much. Um, But in the world of of real treatment and prevention of things like cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, and of course cancer, we really need to be eating closer to less than 50 grams of carbohydrate a day. You know, there may be days or seasons or times of the year where you're eating more than that, but it should be 
flexing and flexible, right? Um, but for the most part, day in, day out, we need to be cutting back drastically. And so that may put you into eating like an intermittent fasting approach, a ketogenic diet, a low carbohydrate, and being mindful that sugar is sugar is sugar is sugar. I see out there in a lot of the forums that they believe erroneously that somehow fruit sugar is different, right? I'm like, it all turns into fructose. It all gets processed in, in glucose into the body and processed in the liver. It doesn't matter how it enters your body. It gets turned into this, period. No matter how many misinformed documentaries tell you otherwise, that is simply not biochemically true. So you have to start to realize that your standard American healthy, heart healthy breakfast of your oatmeal and your orange juice and your whole grain toast is three days worth of sugar intake in one meal, right? Those are a place to start um, immediately. So start to do an audit of your dietary intake. Do diet diaries. Start to play with MyFitnessPal and start to get a sense of actually how much carbohydrate you take in during the day and start to cut back well below 100 grams a day. And start to see what you notice and feel there because you're going to start to upregulate the, the function and number of your mitochondria simply from that one change. The next is to do an audit on your pantry. You know, take a look at what chemicals might be hiding in your food sources. Get back to real food. If you can't shoot it out of the sky, out of a tree, pull it out of the ground, pick it off a bush, you know, fish it out of the pond, you probably shouldn't be eating it, right? So if it was made in a factory, don't eat it. (laughs) And so going back to real food, and you know, I have a sticker on my refrigerator that says, eat organic food, or as your grandparents called it, food. You know, we have to take that extra step to really see what we're getting exposed to today. So that's really on you, the consumer, to start to become an expert label reader and to get more back to simplistic things. Go, so get back into the soil, get back into the kitchen. And um, it's, it, those shortcuts are what are making us sick, right? So we have to, we've got to change back. And then doing the audit on your medicine cabinet, under what's under your kitchen sink, under what's in the garage. Take a look. And if you're not sure, run them through the, or, the website ewg.org, which is the Environmental Working Group, which is basically a third-party neutral assessor of toxicity. And they know all the different things that are causing us harm today. But you can start to assess even your body care products. And I tell folks, avoid anything that is below a B grade. So they give everything an A, B, C, D, F grade. I stay within the A and the B, right? I don't, you know, so you might go, well, this is my favorite. You know, this shampoo is my favorite or this, this mascara is my favorite or this um, lotion or this uh, soap is my favorite. But my God, it's poisoning you, you know, and especially our, our skin is like a million mouths. So what we put on our skin is just taking it right up into the system and causing this problem. And even just touching a receipt, stop taking the receipt. You will absolutely change the hormones in your bloodstream simply by touching a printed out receipt at the grocery store. So those are the things. Get rid of all your plastics. You know, stop using a microwave. Stop using aluminum. These are known endocrine disruptors and known mitochondrial poisons. So you have to start to limit your exposure. Go back to glass. Go back to stainless steel. Go back to ceramic. Um, and so those are just some simple things to start to do the pantry, um, cabinet, cupboard overhaul. You'll start to eliminate a lot of your exposures. Invest in a water filter, you know, a good water filter. Your fridge doesn't count and a Brita doesn't count. Um, those merely pull out chlorine, but you're getting exposed to other people's pee, so you're getting exposed to other people's hormones, drugs, chemotherapy agents, antibiotics. 
Um, you're getting exposed to heavy metals. You're getting exposed to fluoride. You're getting exposed to all kinds of goodies that are altering your chemistry, and you have to drink water, right? So clean it up. So my hope is that people, when they read this book, they start to create an awareness of how insidious our toxicant exposures are, including our thoughts. If you're hanging out with people you don't like, get away from them. You know, if you have a job you absolutely hate, I can't tell you how many patients I've worked with that have cancer because of a job, right, or a toxic relationship. So please do your due diligence to find ways to extricate yourself from those toxic situations and find your joy, find your purpose, find your gratitude. Those are incredible balms to heal to heal you. So... Um talking about all of this and then you give people this 50 page tree where where do you um recommend people start well i think that questionnaire is great because the book can offer them a lot of tools just to have at home if someone's got a really aggressive cancer process or they're really struggling with the side effects of their treatment or they really don't want to ever go through cancer treatment again, you're likely going to meet, be someone who needs to get some more professional support. The book alone isn't going to do it, okay? Um, so seeing my colleague, Jess Kelly, with Remission Nutrition, who's the co-author of our book, she's an expert on the nutritional aspect but also can do a lot of the functional laboratory testing and assessment um, or working with me through Optimal Terrain Consulting to do this bird's eye view roadmap we talked about, or anybody who's an expert in integrative oncology or really understands the whole terrain, whole person, whole being organism and knows how to approach you holistically, um, that is key to work with an expert to really help you assess and address your terrain imbalances. But if you're someone who happens to be new to this and you just don't want to become a statistic or you've watched a loved one go through this or you know you have some genetic predispositions, the book alone may be enough to start to get you on track to not being that statistic. Don't be the 50% of North America that will have cancer in their lifetime, you know, or the 70% who will have a recurrence after their initial diagnosis. So those are the statistics I want you to overcome, and uh, my hope is that this book will offer a starting point and a toolbox for that, and the questionnaire is definitely a starting point of creating awareness and then actionable changes. Well, you know, um, all the topics in your book were, were familiar to me, and it's not just right. because I do the do the show. Um, they were familiar because this is part of, I feel, anybody's health journey. So, you know... Yeah. Um, disease or health starts in the gut and then um, the chemicals I mean I've done shows on the 88,000 chemicals that we've had come up into our environment since World War II and they're not regulated and this is why you're talking about going to I think it was ewg.org just to find out you know what we're exposed to because we don't understand and and people aren't regulating that for us unfortunately we think we're safe and we're, we're not because that this a part of my story was being exposed to chemicals in a building mm-hmm. that was brand new and I moved my practice there and I couldn't wow. figure out why I was so sick and Lyme was only part of that and wow. um, right so I, I think we're just not aware and then um, we don't understand and we continue down that path we're going in with exposure to the chemicals or eating the way we are because no one's telling us these things need to change. Right, right, yeah. 
And I think what's the beauty is that I find that I'm finding more like-minded colleagues and practitioners like yourself, that we're starting to find each other, band together, and create that safety net and that filter for people to start to have a reference point and start to have the tools and resources to start to advocate for themselves. Because like you said, we, we don't really have a governing body that's doing that for us. It, it doesn't have us in their best interest. It has, frankly, the bottom line in its best interest. And um, there's a lot we have to do, we have to place for, we have to step into, which is not what anybody wants to hear. We all want the magic pill, right? We all want the one cause, one cure. Um, but that just simply doesn't exist. No, I don't think um, I've ever seen that happen. (laughs) We're too complicated. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's so complicated and yet so simple. You know, it it really does bubble right down to those little powerhouses, those little mitochondria ATP energy generators in ourselves. And and if we kind of just keep thinking about what would my mitochondria want right now or what do they need, we can really change trajectory of a lot of these um, condition. So you mentioned emotional stuff a lot, and I know this is um, usually not things people want to deal with, it seems. <laughs> how, how do you approach this and help people to recognize and overcome that this is playing a role in their journey? I love that question because, as you notice, that chapter is saved for the last in our book. And the reason being is where I'd like to go with everyone is right into rip the Band-Aid off and let's dive into the emotional (laughs) murkiness. But most people will be scared off from that or overwhelmed by that or just simply not ready for that. So what I find is the tangible, the physical, the dietary, the laboratory, people really like data points, things that they can see and feel very definitively, you know, very Um, objectively um, before we start to move into more of the esoteric subjective matter Um, and when we've hit all those if I have a client and everything they're doing is right they're taking the right supplements the right nutrients their diet is perfect they're doing their meditation they're you know going to their yoga class they're exercising their body fat content is perfect all their labs you know are perfect and yet cancer is still alive and well or brewing and progressing that's when I know we're absolutely up against that 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 trunk of that tree that we're absolutely up against some unresolved emotional trauma, you know, or disconnect. I mean, my gosh, some people out there say that cancer is simply a massive disconnect from self, you know, and a a safety mechanism from our psyche is to pull us out of dangerous situations. And so um, I've, I've literally had clients say that it would be easier to die than to confront the abuser or the difficult marriage or the difficult child or whatever it is. And some people have opted for that contract. You know, mm-hmm. um, and many more I've watched. I've watched folks who have those right into the mental, emotional. I mean, I think about Anita Morjani's work in Dying to Be Me. That's a very powerful book. Or you think about K- Kelly Turner's book, Radical Remission, of the nine things she lists are the things that help people go into these spontaneous radical remissions. Seven of those nine are on the mental, emotional, spiritual sector, right? We want it to be very physical and easy in a diet or a pill, but um, unfortunately or fortunately, the majority of it is in the mental, emotional body. And so when folks start to read those books and start to understand and start to work with me, they're chipping away at everything and they're quote unquote doing everything right and things are still not going well they then get compelled to finally dig in. You know, and I wish people would get there faster, but some people don't get there until their last moment, and that's okay. And some people 
we'll never get there. And that's, that's okay too. Um, but to understand that you really cannot overcome this condition without addressing all the way to the core, each and every one of those terrain 10, and maybe even most importantly, the trunk, the mental emotional body, you'll never get where you want to be. Well, um, I definitely agree with you, and it is harder to approach, which is probably why it was at the end of your book and at the end of my show, <laughs> because it, when we jump into it, I think you know you lose half the people you're talking to because um, we're not we're not made in our society to to approach that. It's getting better, but um, you know I I think you've given people good direction on that to to just at least consider and to okay. be more to be open that 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 is affecting you whether you have cancer or not it's still affecting you exactly and um, in that place of cleanup and prevention might it might be behoove you to go there first <laughs> yeah. yeah that is probably not going to happen in most cases but um <laughs> exactly. from my experience in yours it sounds like um so if if anybody has more information because your book is full of a lot of stuff we didn't get to talking about how can people find you or your book Great. Well, first of all, you can check me out on my website, OptimalTerrainConsulting.com. That same name is also a Facebook page that's more specific to the overall work we do with integrative oncology care and supporting the whole person, the whole terrain. More information on the book itself, The Metabolic Approach to Cancer, also has its own Facebook page where I'm always giving updated information, research, recipes, et cetera, that are very specific to kind of the book content and building on that because new research is coming out literally every day. Um, and then you can also find the book on Amazon, Chelsea Green Publishing, Barnes & Noble. It's now available in Kindle. It's now being, we just went into second print. It's now being translated into Spanish and Korean. By the end of October, we'll be in all of the natural grocers. And Whole Foods now has 300 of our books that are in circulation just as a test sample to see if they want to take on more. We're very excited and very proud that it really is starting to reach mainstream um, and then also you can follow me on just um, my LinkedIn page, Dr. Nisha Winters, if you're looking for pro- professional contacts or speaking engagement issues. Um, but I'm, I try to get out there because I want to reach the masses and I want to change the, the statistics. So, um, you know, simply Google me. You'll see that I'm kind of, I kind of, I'm out there right now. <laughs> and my <laughs> colleague and co-author, Jess Kelly, Jess Higgins Kelly, she's amazing. Her um, nutrition consulting business is remissionnutrition.com and under the same name under her Facebook page as well. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great show. Thank you so much, Dr. Riz. This is fantastic. I look forward to more. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. We were talking with Dr. Nisha Winters. She's the author of The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. Thanks so much and be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 